0: In this week's Planet Korea, we want to talk a bit about those recent candlelight protests. They were, of course, very visual. The, the scenes of the waves of candles moving through the crowds were very impressive, but there were also some very important sound elements to those gatherings. On more than one occasion, the protests revived music from South Korea's recent history, music that helped democratize the country in the first place. Also, there were some new young voices contributing a whole new sound To the streets of resistance, as it were. You can read the whole story in an article called The Songs of Protest. It's the cover story of this month's Groove Korea magazine. And Emma Kalka is Groove's music editor and the writer of the article. Hi, Emma. Hello. Cool to see you again. Yes. This is a good article, and it's obvious from reading it that you've put considerable work into it.
1: Yeah, and I worked on it for a little over a month, mm-hmm. and I actually, I wanted more time just because I felt like the, it's the a topic. huge topic. Yeah, I felt like it really needed a lot of time for research, and you know, I just wanted to talk to as many people as possible, mm-hmm. like my original interview list, I think, had... About 20 names
0: on it. Well, there's a narrative timeline that spans decades here. Of course, it's pegged to the candlelight protests, but uh, what you do nicely in the article is you play with what's old and what's new. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can either compare or contrast, and you kind of do both here. Mm -hmm. In a way, some of the stuff we heard was a revival of uh, previous protests, Mm -hmm. and it was a whole new animal in certain ways, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I mean... Uh, The conditions for uh, somebody who wants to sing songs of protest are certainly different, but there's throwbacks, Mm -hmm. aren't there? The whole reason people are uh, assembling is this, you know, one of the reasons is the existence of this blacklist. Yes. Some 10,000 people on
1: it. Uh, yeah, roughly. And they've never actually made public the, the full list, but they've kind of, a few names have, have leaked out, but no one really knows exactly who is on the list. And several of the arti- uh well, a few of the artists that I spoke to said that they felt like they might have been on the blacklist, but mm. they, again, you know, we've never seen the full thing for sure, so we're not exactly sure who is on it, who's not, that's mm. what I'm saying.
0: But. It's kind of a softer censorship, a censorship 2.0. I mean, back in the day, as you make clear in the article, anybody who wanted to be a musical artist basically had to register explicitly with the government and then give the songs and the lyrics to the government for review.
1: Right, anything... Um well, I'm not sure about registering but basically if you wanted to release any music mm. um, that would go for sale or that would be broadcast or anything you had to before it was actually published or came out you would have to submit it to like a censorship board mm-hmm. and they would go over it and mark like okay, you have to change this and that and it would be anything from like lyrics to the album cover mm. if they didn't like the album cover you would have to change it um yeah and if You didn't make the changes that they liked. It couldn't go out. It was effectively kind of banned.
0: And so it's not like you could do explicitly critical lyrics. You couldn't really Mm -hmm. have nitty-gritty protest songs per se. Right. But what they did, it seems to me, upon listening to a couple of these selections, we're going to queue up a few songs as we talk. Uh, some of these songs are so sweeping and general mm-hmm. and emotional, kind of evoking themes of nature and so on.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, and that's uh, kind of an interesting thing because when it all started, like back in the the seventies with like the folk music movement, the music wasn't explicitly political. It was just talking about the daily life experience of, of everyday people and. Mm-hmm. Um, And didn't really have anything saying like, oh, down with the government, down with the man. It was just talking about, you know, how some people have a really bad life Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that they experience. But even with that very subtle kind of message, the government was just like, we don't like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't want this going out. You have to, we want happy music. We want people to be happy and yeah. So yeah. they would even, they would ban even that, even though it never said anything explicit.
0: And so artists had to walk this kind of fine line. You mentioned the folk music. It, it really does echo in a parallel way with some of the stuff we heard in the U.S., uh, you know, Joan Baez kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Woody Guthrie, that kind of stuff. We've got one cut mm-hmm. from Yang Hee-un. It's called Achim Isa Morning Dew. I wonder if we can cue that up for just a moment and kind of get the flavor of it a little bit.